Good morning. Welcome to Easter Sunday at the Church of the Palms. I'm Joe Dana, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. Christ has risen. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And as we prepare for worship, please bow your heads, bow your heads in prayer. Glorious Lord of life, by the mighty resurrection of your Son, you overcame the old order of sin and death to make things new in him. Grant that we who celebrate with joy Christ rising from the dead may be raised from the death of sin to the life of righteousness. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And as we continue in our worship service, let our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the responsive call to worship? Glory to you, O God, on this day you won victory over death, raising Jesus from the grave and giving us eternal life. Glory to you, O Holy Spirit, you lead us into the truth. Glory to you, O blessed Trinity, now and forever. The Lord is risen. please join me in the prayer of adoration that is printed in your bulletin. God of mercy, we no longer look for Jesus among the dead, for he is alive and has become the Lord of life. 
From the waters of death, you raise us up with him and renew your gift of life within us. Open our eyes to see his walk amidst us. Allow us to welcome him always into our lives. Increase in our minds and hearts the risen life we share with Christ and help us to grow as your people toward the fullness of eternal life with you. Through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord is risen. And now with believers down through the ages, let us state what we believe as written in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now on this glorious day, why don't you turn and say hi to your neighbor.
Easter. Easter. It is so good to see you all here this morning on this beautiful day. We are so blessed to be greeted with such beautiful weather and to be together as the people of God. It has been quite a week here at Church of the Palms. Last Sunday on Palm Sunday, we joined the crowd as we came with Jesus into Jerusalem, had the chance to open our new Palm Center, and we had our grand opening, and it was a wonderful, wonderful event, and many of you were there, and we were grateful to bless that place and look forward to many, many years and decades of great ministry within that. We can't show it to you again right now because we have to wait for a couple more inspections before we can go back into the place, but we'll get there. If the angel can roll away the stone, they can open up the Palm Center. So, uh, <laughs> but we had a great journey. We have had a great journey through Holy Week, of course, Monday, Thursday at the table, and then with Jesus at the cross. And then this morning, Easter sunrise, uh, we wondered if the sun was actually going to rise when it came up late at 7.20, but we were there at 6.30 in the dark to greet uh, the day, and we had a wonderful, wonderful celebration, well over a thousand people there on the beach, so it was a, it was a great uh, chance to be together. And Michigan won last night, yeah! <laughs> I'll tell you, it's been a great week. Yeah, Loyola might have Sister Jean, but Michigan has Reverend Steve, that's what I say. <clears throat> But uh, lots of other great things are going on in our life, and uh, including, we're talking about the Palm Center, in a couple of weeks on, on April the 19th, we'll have a pickleball clinic. Those of you who have always been wanting to learn how to play pickleball, uh, that is your opportunity. So take a look at, uh, for that information in your bulletin, and that will be just, of course, the first of many, many things that will be happening in that great place. So we rejoice in that. Many of you got the word this week that our dear sister in Christ and friend Carolyn Wilson is making her way into a new chapter of ministry. She will be taking a new position at the Venice Presbyterian Church in preparation for her ordination and to become their next associate pastor. We love Carolyn. She's been with us for seven years, and we rejoice with her as she makes this move. And she's not here today. She is actually out west at a family wedding, which was on the calendar for a long time. But she will be here with us next Sunday, and we'll be having a farewell celebration for her uh, underneath the tree. So come and join us for that as we uh, rejoice with her in that new chapter of ministry that she looks forward to. And uh, some of you know this, but uh, just yesterday, our dear friend Morgan Roberts turned 90. And so those of you that know Morgan may want to pass on a good word to him. And I know another certain person over there is sitting on that bench that has a birthday today. Uh, <laughs> April Fool's Day that uh, Jonathan... And he is not turning 90. So <laughs> let us continue our worship. Thank you. 
Let us pray. O God of resurrection power, we praise you for this great Easter triumph. We rejoice that you raised Jesus from the dead and that in his resurrection, human evil is outdone and death itself is defeated and transformed. We thank you, O God, that in abundance of your grace, Jesus becomes our salvation. We have become his sisters and brothers. We receive eternal life. We give you thanks for claiming us as your children. Merciful God, we pray as we are led by your spirit for those who are ill, who are mourning, who are afraid and lonely, for who are confused and far away from home. We pray for the end of warfare and oppression and poverty. We pray that children may grow in safety and laughter and the knowledge of your way. We pray that youth may discover their Christian identity and grow in their potential to serve you. Almighty God, we pray for those who serve for our health and security in places of difficulty and danger. We ask your protection for those in the military, mission, and humanitarian services. Protect them and bring them home safely, we pray. We also pray for your church, this church in particular, Church of the Palms, and the church in every place. Grant, O Lord, that we might grow to love you, love one another, and love our neighbors we have in you. Loving God, make us to be your love and grace in word and deed with all we meet this day and every day of our lives. Now we recommit ourselves on this Easter day to your holy service through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Now hear our prayers as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As God has given us his only son to have, so that we can have salvation, now let us continue to worship God with thanksgiving and gratitude through the offering of our morning offerings and tithings.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, accept us and all our gifts of love and gratitude to you in these offerings and our presence and prayers and lives. For we bring them to you with great joy in the name of our risen Lord. Amen. Please be seated as the children come forward for a special moment with Laurie. I got my own little bunny treat. Thanks, Maddie. That is so sweet. So come on down. Make your way to the steps. We have a great celebration today. And if any of your children leave with Miss Carol and me, you can claim them in room 205 at the end of the service, if you so choose. <laughs> and we do hope you choose that. Thank you so much. So, we are celebrating Easter. Easter! Oh my gosh, Easter is like probably the biggest celebration in the whole Christian calendar. Can anyone tell me what we're celebrating when we're celebrating Easter? What are we actually celebrating? We're celebrating for Jesus. We are celebrating for Jesus. That's right, that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. And I thought it might be kind of interesting to actually go into a store and to see in the Easter aisle what they would give me to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the first thing I found were these blue peeps. Yuck. Who would use these to celebrate anything? Not me. Oh, gosh. And what? Oh, nothing celebrates the, the resurrection of Jesus like chocolate carrots. Yes. What about you? Did you get anything in your Easter basket that sort of is a celebration for Easter? Did you get something? I had I had a wager bubble. I had a wager bubble. Wow. I need a translator. She meant to say a bubble laser. She meant to say a bubble laser. That is awesome. Thank you. I got the same things as her. You got say that what? I have the same things as her. Oh, that's great. Are you related to her? No. Oh, all right. Just thought maybe. What did you get for Easter in your basket? Um, Easter eggs. Easter eggs. Yeah, when I was a kid, we only had, like, the real Easter eggs. You know, the kind you had to color yourself? There was none of those plastic ones. You like pink? Yeah, it'll be right there. What else did you get in your Easter basket? Anything else to celebrate this big celebration? Um, I got... <laughs> oh, Maddie, I've drawn a blank. I have a chocolate Easter bunny. A chocolate Easter bunny. I got one of those too because I thought that would be really good to celebrate Easter. Well, I got to tell you, in all the things that are on the Easter aisle, the thing that I think celebrates Easter the most are these silly plastic eggs. Because when you open them up and they're empty, it shows us just how the tomb was empty because Jesus was risen, and Jesus is alive. But when you open them up, and there's a live chick inside? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, it's not a surprise anymore. <laughs> Do you know what that tells us? It reminds us that Jesus is alive. It reminds us that God takes what is dead and he makes it alive again. And that's why we celebrate Easter. And do you know 
that there are just chicks waiting for you to hold them upstairs with Miss Carol with another great story. So before I send you out, can we pray? Gracious God, we thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son to die and to live for us, to give us abundant life, both here on earth and forever with you in heaven. In Christ's name we pray, amen. be seated. Yeah, I never would have dreamt that that chick would have come out of that egg. <laughs> so the good news comes to us from John chapter 20, beginning at the first verse. Here, the Word of God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. 
Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb, and the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and he bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And, and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Allow, O Lord, these words to come to shout out the good news, to point to the word just read, and to make us aware of the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ who dwells with us here and always, for we ask it in his name. Amen. So I want to take you back to a time when you were young. For some of us, that stretch of memory is a little longer than others. And I want you to think of a time when you watched for the very first time the movie The Wizard of Oz. Some of you may have seen it when it first came out in theater in 1939, but most of us got to see it when it had its annual airing on television. The family gathered in the family room watching it on the old black and white TV set. Yes, I date myself. But I want you to think about watching this story as a child and what you felt about Dorothy and Toto and their journey to the Emerald City with the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. All along the yellow brick road, this merry band of travelers are picking up signs that the land of Oz was not all peaches and cream. There were lions and tigers and bears, oh my. There were fields of sleep-inducing poppies. There were mean apple-throwing trees. There were flying monkeys. I hated those flying monkeys. <laughs> and of course, there was the Wicked Witch of the West. So close, so the closer Dorothy got to the Emerald City, the more that they knew that she was not in Kansas anymore. 
And then finally, she and her gang get what they've been traveling for. They get an audience with the wizard. Down that long corridor they walk, and they are brought before the Wizard of Oz, this mean-looking 3D hologram figure who speaks out of the fire and the smoke, and he's quite terrifying, and he's got nothing good to say to Dorothy, who just wants to find her way home. And the wizard can't be bothered unless, of course, Dorothy is able to somehow produce for him the flying broom of the Wicked Witch. And so it is at this point, as the hourglass sands dwindle, that all appears lost. All the compassionate wizard, a wicked witch, and a whole kingdom is now in their clutches. Who is this pigtail girl from Kansas and her bumbling entourage in the face of such wickedness and terror? Now, what we don't know when we are first watching this movie and what Dorothy and the gang don't know is that the wickedness and terror is not what it appears to be. The green old witch, as nasty as she is, can't quite get her hands on those ruby slippers, and on top of it, she's got a weakness for water and just a bucketful is enough to melt her to the ground. The mean old wizard is just some old guy behind the curtain who's pulling a bunch of levers. And at the end of it all, that as bad as Dorothy wanted to go home, she discovers that she's had the power all along. Just click three times those ruby slippers and you're on your way back to Kansas. They have been fooled all along not to see things as they really were. The witch was not as dangerous. The wizard wasn't a wizard after all, and the way to go home was right there at her feet. Don't you wonder if one of the reasons why The Wizard of Oz remains such a timeless classic is that deep down somewhere, not only does it tap into our longing to go home, but maybe, just maybe, it calls into question the way we see our own world. Lord knows we've got lots of things in this world that we have managed to get ourselves afraid of. All sorts of wizards and witches out there that are poised to do us in. Evil forces conspiring to rid us of our hearts, our brains, our courage. One half hour with cable news and you can get pretty convinced that the battle is all but lost. Like the story I know I've told you before, the man who had come to the end of his rope and couldn't see anything good left in the world, so he walked onto the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge and climbed up onto the parapet and was about to leap into the East River when a policeman laid an arresting hand on him and drew him back. The man protested to the policeman, you don't understand how miserable my life is and how hopeless the world is, please let me jump. The kind-hearted officer tried to talk sense to the man and finally said, I'll make you this proposition. You take five minutes and give your reasons for why life is not worth living, and I'll take five minutes and give you my reasons for why I think life is worth living, both for you and for me. And if at the end of 10 minutes you still feel like jumping, I will not stop you. The man agreed and proceeded to take his five minutes to explain why life was not worth living. The officer took his five minutes to explain why life was worth living for the both of them. And at the end of 10 minutes, the two men joined hands and jumped off the bridge. <laughs> the world can fool us. The world can fool us not only to rob us of our hope, but also to make us think that life is in the unrelenting grip of a less than sympathetic power. That's just the way the world is, we says, dog eat dog. You gotta, you know, scratch your claw your way up to the top. Only the strong survive. Nice guys finish last. No such thing as a free lunch. Buck up, things could be worse. So I bucked up and things got worse. <laughs> the wicked witch is in control. The wizard's never gonna give us what we want. So what do we do? We 
We cower. We, we, we play the game by what we think the rules are. We hedge our bets. We fly under the radar. We go into hiding and assume that the Wicked Witch is the only game in town. So we play it safe, or even worse, we give up. We give up on ourselves. We give up on the real meaning and calling and purpose of our lives because we think that life has to be lived according to the apparent powers that be. In World War II, when Germany marched across Europe and nation after nation fell to its advance, the once free world divided then into two camps. There were those who capitulated to the foreign power, the Vichy government in France, for example, surrendered themselves to becoming an arm of the invaders. If you can't beat them, join them. And on the other hand, there was the resistance. And the resistance lived with this hope that freedom and democracy and goodness and God, for that matter, still rule the day. They would not be fooled into thinking that the battle was over. So on this Easter, April Fool's Day, it is worth asking, is there the chance that we're getting fooled? That things are not what they appear to be, that life does not have to be lived the way we've been told it has to be lived, that there is another way, perhaps, to go about life. You know, you stay on the merry-go-round long enough, you start thinking the only way to go is in circles. Makes me think of the story of the American businessman who was standing at the pier of a small coastal village in Mexico when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. Inside the boat was several large yellow fin tuna. The American complimented the fisherman on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The fisherman replied, oh, it took only just a little while. The American then asked, well, why didn't he stay out longer and catch more fish? The fisherman said, well, we had enough to support his family's needs. The American then asked, well, what do you do with the rest of your time? The fisherman said, well, I sleep late, I fish a little, play with my children, take siesta with my wife, stroll in the village every evening, sip wine, play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. The American scoffed, I'm a Wharton MBA, I could help you. You should spend more time fishing and with the proceeds buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds of the bigger boat, you can buy several boats. Eventually you would have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your cash to a middleman, you would sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your, up your own cannery. You would control the product processing and distribution. You would, now, you would then need to leave the small coastal village and move to Mexico City, then LA, eventually New York where you could sell your expanding enterprise. But how long will this take? The fisherman asked all oh, the American replied, 15, 20 years tops, but, but what then? Oh, the American laugh, that's the best part. When the time is right, you'd announce an IPO, sell your company stock to the public, become very rich. You could make billions, billions, said the fisherman. Then what? Oh, the American said, you could then retire, move to a small coastal village where you would sleep late, <laughs> fish a little, play with your kids. Who is fooling who? Don't you wonder on this Easter Sunday if when Jesus walks out of that tomb and appears to Mary that she can't bring herself to believe that this could be Jesus? Don't you wonder if Jesus is here to say the wicked witch is dead and the Emerald City is in good hands? Don't you wonder when you come to terms to the fact that the, the tomb can't hold the rabbi from Nazareth that there is this force at work in the world that has the power to give us back our hearts, our heads, our courage? Don't you wonder if when we fall at his feet and hear his voice that we are on the verge of having our eyes open to see the world not as it appears to be but as it really is? 
Remember Cervantes' great character, Don Quixote, who sets himself on this mission to bring chivalry and gallantry to the world. And along with his sidekick, Sancho Panza, they travel the Spanish countryside seeking to rescue the world from its loss of adventure. And when the world wants to give him up as mad, he says, when life itself seems lunatic, who knows where madness lies? Perhaps to be too practical is madness. To surrender dreams is madness. Too much sanity is madness. And maddest of all, to see life as it is and not as it should be. You see, Resurrection Day is not just a day to remind us that death doesn't have the last word. Resurrection is the day to tell us that death doesn't even have the first word. And don't you wonder sometimes if we don't often let death have the first word in our lives. And what I mean by that is living a life of hedge bets, getting fooled into thinking that the finish line is somewhere like at 65 or 75 or 95. What would it look like if we lived our lives like we were never going to die? What if this life, in the words of C.S. Lewis, were just the cover page? What if we were playing for eternity, that we weren't getting fooled into thinking that life had to be about today or tomorrow or the next week? The tragedy of life is not death, said Norman Cousins. The tragedy of life is what we let die inside while we live. You know, when you play the day for eternity, it puts eternity into the day. When you fight the battle knowing that the war is already run, you attack the enemy with a greater confidence. So when Jesus says, don't worry about your life, don't be anxious for tomorrow, he's not just giving us a bunch of wishful thinking. He's already gone ahead. He knows the ending. Maybe that's what Martin Luther King had in mind and made him not to worry about the eventual assassin's bullet on Wednesday. We'll remember the 50th anniversary of his death. But maybe what we will remember most is what he kept alive inside him. That the arc of history, he said, always bends toward justice. The arc of history, dare I add, always bends toward resurrection. Remember that great line in Shakespeare's Henry V at the end of the great battle of Agincourt. King Henry V has just fought one of the most valiant battles of the English against the French and a French emissary rides up on his stallion and Henry does not know how the battle has gone and he says to the emissary, how goes the day? And the emissary replies, the day is yours. It's what Jesus says to us in the garden outside of Jerusalem as he walks along the tombs. It's what he says to Mary, the day is yours, Mary. The arc of history is bending toward resurrection. What if you lived your life like you were never going to die? What if you lived your life knowing that a handful of water from there will melt the wicked old witch? What if you lived your life knowing that the only wizard in town is the one who walks out of the tomb and promises to take us home? What if you realized that you're the one with the ruby slippers? What if you can't get your heart back and your brain back and your courage back? Oh, no telling, no telling how good your story is going to be.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.